And I want to look at specifically 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 58. But to get the entire context, I want to go back to verse 51 and begin reading there. And you've been seated for a while, so if you're able to stand for the reading of God's Word, let's stand together. There is a sermon guide in your bulletin this morning if you would like to take some notes. And we'll begin reading in verse number 51 where Paul writes, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. It's what these guys have been singing about this morning, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. I love this next verse. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? You see, for the child of God, there is no sting in death, because death means the entrance into eternal life. Entrance into the presence of God. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, in light of eternity, in light of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's read that last verse all together, good and loud. Ready? Therefore... My beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Father, as we come again to your word, we surrender our hearts and our lives to it. May the Spirit of God speak to us today. We pray, Lord, if there's someone here today that does not have assurance of their eternity, what's going to happen to them after this life ends, I pray that your Spirit would draw them to you today and that they would put their faith in you. And for us who are your children, may our hearts be strengthened, may our hearts be filled with courage and challenge, Lord, to take what we have been given and to take it into the future, into the next generations. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. In chapter 15, Paul is giving us just an incredible sneak peek at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the final resurrection from the dead. You see, at Christmas time, and a lot of people are familiar with Christmas, we celebrate the coming, the first coming of Jesus, the, the coming of Jesus when he left heaven and he came to this earth as the first missionary to live a sinless life, to die on the cross for our sins, to rise victorious over the grave. And if you're thankful that he did that, say amen. amen. We have confidence this morning that we will spend an eternity with him, that when we do die, that when this life does end, that it will not be the end because of his death and his resurrection. But just before Jesus went back and ascended back into heaven, he gave his followers the promise that he would come again. He gave them a mission to accomplish and then the promise that he would come again. And that is what Paul is rehearsing right here in 1 Corinthians. He is rehearsing this future event in which Jesus Christ will come back for the church. And then as he wraps it all up, he closes with this verse. In light of the coming of Jesus Christ, verse 50. 
8 is our challenge. And I have to tell you, as I was thinking about this day, as I was thinking about the life of Brother Fred and Miss Brenda all read, this is the verse that kept coming back to my heart and mind. And I love the words that are used here. Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I mentioned earlier that I I wished, uh, one of the the things that I wished after I came here was that I would have had the time to sit down with Brother Fred, to to talk with him, to hear him preach in person, and, and, and to be able to hear his heart and his vision for the future. And I'm able to get that through talking to Miss Brenda and talking to his children and talking to those of you that were here. And I, I've been able to hear his heart. But but I would have loved to have been able to sit down with him and talk to him. I remember when I first came that I asked Brother Andy Lowe if he would make some CDs of Brother Fred's preaching that I could go back and listen to and I could keep in my my truck that I had at the time. And I remember every time that I would get into the truck, I would, I would put on one of those CDs and that voice that I wish that I had in preaching. And, and I would watch some of his old TV broadcast. And I remember one day Kim and I were on our way to, to Walmart and we were in the truck and she had a list of things that we were to pick up. And when we got in the car, we were listening to one of Brother Fred's messages, and when we pulled into to Walmart, I, I opened up the car and car door and said, are you coming in? She said, no, I'm staying here to listen to his preaching. You go, you go get the groceries. And I said, well, you never do that to my preaching. Um, <laughs> actually, she thought it was a radio broadcast, and she thought if she goes inside, she was gonna, going to, to miss the rest of it. But, but faith is the essence of Christianity, and what we have been given to build upon here at Faith Baptist Tab- Tabernacle it is, is an example of strong faith. And in verse number 58, Paul gives us a description of strong faith. And I want to just kind of break down this verse for a moment and the words that are in it, because what happens a lot of times, most of us have heard of this verse, many of us have memorized this verse, and what happens is if we're not careful, we don't really think about its meaning, we, we don't really dig down deep into what it's trying to tell us, we kind of skim over it. But I want to just share with you some things this morning in closing about a strong faith from this verse. Number one, we see this, that a strong faith stands firm on truth. A strong faith stands firm on truth. And notice the first two words here, steadfast and unmovable. First of all, look at the word steadfast. And what this word means is that there is a settled conviction based on a reality. Let me say that again. A, a settled conviction based on a reality. What reality are we talking about? We're talking about the reality that the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is written about. First of all, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We, we believe that in the literal bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, as the Bible describes. It, it is our foundation. It is the reality that our faith is built upon. And, and I am challenged when I hear the recordings of Pastor Fred. And I am reminded that what we need, I'm reminded today, this week, as Kim and I were going through these books and rehearsing the goodness of God through the years, I am reminded that what we need is another generation of Christians who have settled hearts in regards to the doctrines of Scripture and the fundamentals of the faith that we have been given and passed down. 
We need another generation of Christians who know what we believe and, uh, and stand firm upon it. As Paul said in Romans 1.16, we need another generation that is not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and will stand and will proclaim it knowing that it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes. Belief and faith always impacts our behavior and what we do. And if we truly believe, listen, if we truly believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if we truly believe in the soon coming of Jesus Christ for his church, then it it will change our behavior in a society that is trying to redefine what the word of God has already clearly defined. We must stand firm on the clear truths of God's word. And days like today bring us back to the reality that we must stand firm, that we must be steadfast and unmovable on the doctrines of the word of God and and the, 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 the firm fundamentals of our faith. And the church at Corinth, listen, they were facing the temptation to compromise their doctrine way back then. That's why the entire book of 1 Corinthians was written, because Paul had to correct them because of error that they were allowing in the church. And listen, if it could happen way back then, you can know for sure that it can happen today. Being steadfast means that we have settled our own personal convictions about these great biblical truths. What that means is that the Bible is our, listen, the Bible is our sole authority for what we believe and how we behave. Society does not define for us what we do and do not do. We have our standard, our rule book right here. It is God's word. And we abide by it. We preach it. The things that this Bible says are, uh, were sin. Listen, they're still sin in 2023. What it lays out as the way to eternal life is still the only way to eternal life. There are not many ways to God. There is one way, and Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And we will do it lovingly, but we will continue to preach the truth and the doctrines of this book. It is our standard. There's a lot of things that can change. I'm thankful, as I mentioned, that these guys are are still carrying on the the vision that somebody had before them. That they've picked up the mantle and and everything is not going to be the same. And things around here, uh, some styles may change. some, Some buildings may be added on. Some decorations may change. But compromising on the doctrines and the fundamentals of our faith is not and never will, Lord willing, ever be on the table for compromise. These are things that we must preach. We don't push our preferences. We don't tout our traditions, but where the Bible speaks, we proclaim it courageously in truth and in love. So he says, first of all, that a strong faith stands firm on truth. Be steadfast, be unmovable. Secondly, a strong faith stays faithful over time. Steadfast, unmovable. Notice this next phrase. Say it with me. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. I love that word always. Mark that word. Paul uses it again in, in Philippians chapter 4 in verse 4. You know this as well. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. 
You know what he's saying in Philippians 4, 4, in the good times and the, in the bad times and in the easier times and the difficult times, uh, no matter what your circumstances are, rejoice in the Lord. He's using the same thought here when it comes to abounding in the work of the Lord. Always rejoice and always abound in the work of the Lord. This is, this is remaining faithful when others would quit. This is remaining faithful. I love the word always, but I also love this word abounding. Abounding. Committed beyond the status quo. The word abounding means this, to go above and beyond the call of duty. It really is to overdo it. It is the opposite of just doing enough to get by. And certainly, Jesus Christ set that example for us, didn't he? When he came to this earth and he lived a sinless life and he went all the way to the cross for us so that we could have eternal life in his presence And not only that, but he's given us his word. And how many of you are thankful for the spirit of God that he has given us as a down payment of our inheritance? That lives inside of us. That we might abound. How are we going to abound? How are we going to overdo it? It can't be done in our own strength. It can't be done in our own power. I've seen what Josh Grubbs can do. And I don't like anything about it. But if we will be filled with the word of God. And filled with the spirit of God. There is something that we can look back at and say. There's no way that any man can do that. That was the work of God. Abounding, going overboard in the work of God. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 8, wherein he, speaking of Jesus, hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. He says in 1 Thessalonians 3 and verse 12, the Lord make you, notice this, to increase and abound in the love one toward another and toward all men. See, as a church, we're called to go above and beyond in the area of loving Christ and loving people. This community, he says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. Not if you, you, you wear suits and ties and not if you do this and that and, and do all the, the things that a lot of times we think about. He says, but this is what the world is going to judge us on. Our love one for another. May it abound. May we go above and beyond to show one another and to show this community the love of Jesus Christ. That's what this Saturday is all about as we get out into the community and we show them the love of Jesus and the life-changing message of the gospel. We are to serve above and beyond. We are to worship above and beyond. That's why we encourage you, don't just stand there like a knot on a log when we're up singing. Worship the Lord. May our worship be above and beyond the status quo, the norm. We're called to sacrifice above and beyond. This morning in our faith group, we studied this text, and I wanted to read it this morning because one of, one of my favorite sections of Scripture is found in Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 25 through 30, and, and it is the recorded testimony of a layman in the church, not a pastor, but a layman in the church whose name was Epaphroditus. And I want you to listen to what it says about Epaphroditus. Paul writing says, yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. 
For he longed after you all. This is his testimony. He longed after you all. He was uh, full of heaviness. He was full of heaviness because that ye had heard that he had been sick. Paul says this about him. For indeed, he was sick nigh unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I send him therefore the more carefully, that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation, because, notice this, verse 30, because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. This is the testimony of a sacrificial man, not just doing enough to get by, but a man who determined this, I'm going to abound in the work of the Lord. I'm going to be faithful in the work of the Lord. And I remember thinking back in in my childhood, Brother Roland, uh, growing up in a pastor's home, I'm reminded people's faces come to my mind. They were above and beyond Christians. I mean, they were the first to get there in the morning. I I know what it's like to to be on a church plant. I know a little bit. I wasn't here when this church was started, but I can imagine some of the things that went on because I got to follow my dad on Sunday mornings into a holiday inn where where he had started a church. And I remember meeting in a banquet room on Sundays that Saturday night was filled with people who were drinking. And I remember coming in on Sunday morning and cleaning up all the the beer cans and and putting all the chairs together. And and as I think about those days, Miss Brenda, my my mind goes back to people's faces who who they were there. They, They were above and beyond Christians. They sacrificed in those early days to make it happen. And listen, I want us never to forget in all that God is doing today and in all that God is doing right now at Faith Baptist Tabernacle, may we never forget that there were some people who went above and beyond so that we can do what we're able to do today. And may it serve as, we don't don't bring that up to praise them. We don't bring that up. For any other reason than to glorify God and to say, hey, this is the example that's been given to us. They weren't the only ones who were called to to be above and beyond. You know what it says? Always abounding in the work of the Lord. I love that last phrase, in the work of the Lord. This reminds us that we are to be focused on the right priorities. I mentioned it earlier, but our, our founder had a very unusual calling upon his life. In fact, one that I have never personally seen before. And you heard his testimony this morning, but not only did God call him to be a pastor, but God also called him to run a successful business in this community that God has blessed tremendously. And listen, he was divinely gifted and called to do that. Something that I have never seen before. And yet everyone that I have I've talked to about Brother Fred and his testimony in the community, young and old, have said that he was a man who was consumed with the work of the Lord. That every day when he got up, what pushed him and what drove him was the work of the Lord. And, and, and nobody knows Nobody knows, and I wouldn't have known had I not asked questions, the impact and the things that have happened in other countries and around the world because of God's blessing on his life. 
Miss Brenda's life. What, what a testimony that we have been given. The work of the Lord. Listen, no matter what God has called you to do in business, may you never forget by the, the scripture and by the testimony of our founder that first of all, we are to seek first the kingdom of God. And that as God scatters us throughout this community, Monday through Saturday, yes, we work jobs. Yes, he's called us to be the best as we can can be at the job that he's called us to do. But first and foremost, he has called us to make an impact for Christ and to be witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ. The work here, the work around the globe continues to abound because of the obedience and the generosity of those before us. And lastly, I think we see why. Why did he do this? What motivated him? What drove him? By the way, what, what should motivate us? I often heard something that changed my life. It said, every day when you get up, you think about three things before you begin your day. Think about those in your home that God has called you to influence. Every day when I would get up, one of the first thoughts that I would be reminded of is that the eyes of Kim, Jordan, Jared, and Jackson were watching me that day, watching my priorities, watching the way that I live my life. Another thing I thought about every single day is that one day, Brother Roland, it will be me and God face to face. And I will give an account to God for my life and my testimony. One day you're going to stand before the Lord. One day I'm going to stand before the Lord. And one of our great motivators ought to be this. You know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 